Welcome to Disclaimers Aside, a podcast where I share the raw and honest stories of people in my community, Disclaimers Aside. I'm your host, Aisada Amadou, and let's dive into the episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Disclaimers Aside. I can't believe this is going to be one of the last episodes that I record here in Santa Cruz. I have 12 days left of school and I'm really at this point in the quarter where all I have left is my projects and my finals. I'm a little emo. I literally just came back from the MSA banquet. It was like the last event of the year for MSA and yesterday I went to like an ISU bonfire. That was the last event for that. It's just a lot of goodbyes and a lot of see you laters that are happening right now. But I'm excited to record today's episode. We are going to be doing an advice episode. I love giving advice. It's one of my favorite things to do. But before we get into that, I do want to give you guys a little bit of an update. Give you guys my unpopular opinion of the week. But first, I want to start off this week's episode by talking about music. Just because I feel like there's been so much good music lately and it was really starting to feel like a dry spell there for a minute but recently the the three main albums that like dropped that i listened to is future dropped an album kendrick lamar dropped an album and jack harlow also dropped an album they've been really good let's start off with future's album because future's album was the first one that kind of popped up there were quite a few songs i loved on the album. I still need to listen to it more. I haven't been listening to it as much as Kendrick Lamar's album because as soon as Kendrick Lamar's album dropped, I was listening to it on repeat. I'll give you guys my favorite songs off of that one. I can have my Spotify linked in the show notes of this episode. I make playlists on my Spotify account for every season. So if you guys check out my spring 2022 playlist you can see what music i'm currently listening to my three favorite songs off of that album are 7 12 p.m puffin on zooties and i'm dat bleep those are my three favorite songs on that album then kendrick lamar came out with an album and i feel like that definitely broke the internet a little bit because it's been five years since kendrick lamar has released music and i've been listening to old kendrick lamar like no other. Kendrick Lamar is definitely one of my favorite rappers. I think he just such a, he has such a way with words. His lyrics have a lot of meaning behind them and he has a lot of social commentary about race relations in the, in the United States in his rap, ingrained in his rap. So this album did not fail. He talks a lot about the pandemic and just like a lot of issues. As usual, it's a very deep album. I'm not gonna go through and list all of the songs that I like off the album because I like five or six of these songs. I like a good amount of the songs off of the album. It's definitely one of my favorite albums from him, but I'll give you probably my top two. I would say my top two is Father Time and maybe N95 or maybe Savior, I don't know. It takes me a long time to form an opinion on an album. And then Jack Harlow came out with an album. I think I listened to a good amount of it once. Also a great album. I feel like it had a lot of really good catchy songs. And recently too, some other music I've been listening to is Umi. I have only discovered Umi this year. It's actually kind of crazy because last year Umi had a virtual concert with UC Santa Cruz. 
I believe she also performed with UC San Diego. It was over Zoom. And I'm so sad I missed out on that because I didn't know how good her music was until this year. I love using her music in my TikToks and on Instagram and stuff like that. So if you're looking for some new music, those are some song recs. I think I'm going to have to make it a question over on the Disclaimers Aside Instagram and see what kind of music you guys are listening to. So recently, I had an event for the Women's Center. I am the graphics and digital marketing intern over at the Women's Center here at UCSC. It's a resource center, so we put on some really, really cool events, and we had our last event of the year this week, and it was a POC Poetry Slam, and it was probably my favorite event that we've put on. It was in person. We had a local artist come in and rap and also read off some poetry, and then basically we had kind of like a poetry slam and open mic. If you don't know what the difference between the two is, I only learned it recently, a poetry slam is when you read out your poetry, like the poetry that you wrote, and then a open mic is when you read poetry that you like, um, not necessarily written by you. You can sing, you can do different things, you can tell short stories. So it was kind of like an open mic just because people were doing different things. A lot of people, though, came in with poetry that they had already written, and it was such an inspirational night I came back from that event to my dorm and I just felt so inspired I have never I have never felt more inspired by an event like that because I love writing like I've always loved writing writing was like my first passion if I had to pinpoint my first passion it would be writing when I was a kid I used to write plays with my cousins I used to write little stories throughout middle school I literally had a Wattpad account where I would write stories and write poetry and I would publish it. For a long time, writing was always a huge part of my life, even before reading. Coming back from that event, I realized how much I kind of stopped writing in past years. Writing was such a huge part of my life until I would say about junior year of high school when I kind of stopped just because I wanted to focus more on taking my SATs and my ACTs, getting ready for college, applying to college and then I went to college so I stopped writing for a long time I also came to this realization that my writing wasn't necessarily going to get published like nothing I was currently working on in that moment was something that was going to get published it was always my dream to like write a book or get something published when I realized the things that I were was working on weren't things that I necessarily wanted to get published and I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to publish and I also had you know all of this stuff going on and in terms of like trying to get into college I kind of put that on the back burner and I never came back to it I still do write for school and I do journal but I haven't written creatively in the same way that I used to as a kid I think when you hold yourself back from your passions that is in and of itself a form of self-negligence it is still a dream of mine to publish a book but I don't necessarily know what that looks like yet and I don't think I have to know what that looks like and I don't feel like just because I don't have that perfect idea of where I want to go with that that I have to stop myself from writing. So going to that poetry slam and hearing people's writing, hearing people tell their stories really inspired me to get back into writing in whatever shape or form I can, in whatever means that I can. It's definitely a skill that has shaped my life in a lot of ways. I think I 
gained my love of storytelling from writing and then later on reading. But I think a lot of the ways, because I am, because I did so much writing in my youth and in my growing up, I feel like that has made me a much better and stronger individual. It has made me a much stronger public speaker in a lot of ways. And writing is just something that is in everything. So that is something that I kind of came to the realization this week is that when you hold yourself back from your passions, that is a form of self-negligence. And it's something that I just wanted to remind you guys of because I think that when you are this age where you're in school and you're hustling and you're grinding and you're trying to chase that diploma, chase the bag, you can put your passions to the side and tell yourself when I'm this age, when I'm at this stage in my life, then I'll be able to relax, take care of myself, and do the things that bring me joy. But at the end of the day, you need to make time for that in whatever stage you are in. And you shouldn't have to wait until you're a certain age or at a certain place in your career to enjoy those things. So now moving on to this week's unpopular opinion. Disclaimers aside, my unpopular opinion for this week is that Harry Styles is overrated. Now, this is kind of going back to my talk at the beginning about music. Recently, his song, As It Was, has been so popular. I think he also recently came out with a new album. I understand he's he's talented, but I feel like I don't understand the hype. I feel like people give him a little too much credit. A lot of the ways that he is like breaking gender norms are things that we've seen already and seen already by black creatives. It's just kind of another one of those situations where black creatives have been doing this for a while and then as soon as like a white creative does it, everyone's shocked. I do think his music is okay, but I'm not I'm not a fan. I'm not I'm not out here stan. With that out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. As I mentioned, I'm going to be doing an advice episode today. This is going to be a series that I want to do. I asked you guys over on the podcast Instagram, disclaimers aside, for you guys to send in your guys' problems and things that you guys want advice on. One of my favorite things is giving advice to people in my life. I feel like I'm a pretty good advice giver, but I'm also not an expert. And I know looking, already having taken a glance at like some of the things that you guys submitted, I'm not necessarily an expertise on all of this, but I will try my best to give you guys the best advice, unsolicited, unprofessional advice as possible. The first person said, how to deal with narcissistic people. I feel like I haven't had too many instances of dealing with legitimately narcissistic people to the point where it's a problem. One of my friends, Sophia, I like to joke that she is a narcissist and even though she has narcissistic qualities, it's not to the point where it's affecting our friendship or it affects her other relationships and I think it's different when it starts to impact your relationship with someone. So if you are in the case where you have someone that is being narcissistic to that point where it's impacting your relationship with them, I definitely think it's important to sit them down and call them out. For example, if they're constantly, constantly talking about themselves and not hearing you, call them out for it in the moment and tell them that they need to work on that because it's hindering your relationship with them and it hurts your feelings. I think just being 
super honest and communicative and if they're not growing and changing after you've talked to them and tried to call them in, then I think that's when you should move to the next step of okay, maybe this relationship is not the best. Someone else said, distancing yourself from people who no longer serve you. Definitely relate to this one. I think you go through different stages of your life and sometimes people are only meant to be friends with you for a certain season of your life. And I've definitely experienced this. I did a little bit of moving when I was younger and I was definitely that that kid who would make new friends every single year. But I think it is completely healthy to distance yourself from people when they aren't serving you, especially if they're exhibiting toxic behavior. I think just kind of starting off with not making yourself as available, not being as ready to go out and do things or not being as readily available necessarily to respond to their texts or help them out. Definitely help people out if they really, really, really need it. But I think it is okay to kind of put space between people that aren't serving you. And you don't necessarily have to always have a conversation with someone about it. You can just start to kind of pull yourself out of that relationship if it's not worth it anymore. Because life is way too short to waste your time surrounding yourself with people who are bringing you down. Someone asked how to grow out of your shell. This one's a tough one. I'm a very introverted person and this is something that I'm still working on. Learning how to hold a conversation is really important. I'm really learning that in college because in college you meet a lot of different people and you see that some people are better at holding a conversation than others. But I think it's important to like learn the skill of how to hold a conversation how to meet people. My default when I'm when I meet someone new is just to ask them a bunch of questions. Ask them a bunch of questions. Another default I do is like I compliment people on their outfits and ask them where they where they got stuff from. I actually am genuinely genuinely curious a lot of the times, but I think when you compliment compliment someone, it makes them feel comfortable. It almost makes them feel like you guys have something in common, something to relate to. I was listening to a podcast this morning and they were talking about how you can find one thing in common with everyone. So just treat meeting new people like a game where you're trying to find something in common with them. But I get it. It is hard, especially when you get in your head about certain social situations and when you feel that pressure of, oh, I don't want this to become awkward. Except that natural conversations have awkward silences and that's completely completely normal someone asked how to build a better relationship with my mom i will be going to college next year and our relationship has been pretty distant over the years Ooh, okay this one is a good one i feel like i have a pretty good relationship with my mom i think we've always had a very good relationship over the years definitely went through a little rough patch in quarantine just because of all of the time spent with family it can be really challenging but I think not everyone is the same it definitely is very different I'm also the oldest daughter so we kind of just have that like special bond that not everyone necessarily has and that's okay I think if you want to become closer to your mom and you want to build that relationship starting off with communicating boundaries is important 
if you guys disagree on certain boundaries, I think that is where a lot of challenges can arise. I think for me, the reason why my mom and I are pretty close is because I feel like I can tell her a lot and I feel like from a young age, we've had a pretty open relationship. She's definitely been the type of parent where she advises me a lot and she tells me a lot about her life and so I feel very comfortable telling her a lot about my life and that's how that relationship goes but it's not always like that with everyone and not everyone is as comfortable being that open but if you want that open relationship I think just having a conversation about maybe how that can be and what you kind of want out of that relationship and I think just starting off with like learning the boundaries is the most important thing in any relationship. Someone else said I have feelings for someone and I'm I'm scared to tell them. I think you should just tell them. I think life is a little too short to to not. I don't have a lot of experience in this area but I feel like when it comes to things like this it's important to take a risk if the person is worth it. My parents won't let me major in what I want to major in. This is challenging. I definitely understand this problem and it's hard. I always count myself lucky because my parents are super supportive of like the major that I wanted to do but I know it's this is not the case for everyone. You have to major in what is going to benefit you because at the end of the day you're the one who has to go get the degree you're the one who has to actually go to school and live with the consequences of that major but also at the same time it can be challenging when your parents financially support you i think sometimes parents do really want the best for their children but they don't always necessarily know everything about how things work in the world and so parents can have very narrow and closed-minded beliefs about what majors you can be successful in versus what majors you can't necessarily be successful in. I think the most important thing is like doing a lot of research, presenting that research in a very calm and collected way because I think parents do appreciate when their children are showing initiative and showing their passion and showing that you really want to do this. I wish you all the best of luck with this. I know it's not always the same situation and for everyone and it can be very difficult, but hopefully your parents will be at least open to you, if not majoring in what you want to major in, majoring in something close to it. Someone else asked, how do I build confidence as an introvert? Okay, this is something that I feel like I, I'm still working on it, but I definitely like really tried to work on it throughout the pandemic because as I mentioned before, I am an introvert. When I was younger, I used to be very extroverted. I would get in trouble all the time in school because I would just be talking all the time in class. But as I got older I and as I matured, I definitely became more introverted and I would definitely describe myself as an introverted person. Typically, when I know you, when I'm close to you, I will have a lot of energy. I'm more outgoing to people that I am comfortable with, but it does take a long time for me to become comfortable with someone. So also, just because you are introverted, it does not necessarily mean that you struggle with confidence issues. I think those are two separate things. But I think striving for this almost, it, what my friends describe as quiet confidence is important and I think confidence does come from working on yourself genuinely it really does doing a lot of self-reflection really taking the time to think about like what you want out of life whatever it may be what career path you want what type of person you want to spend the rest of your life with what type of people you want surrounding you what you want to spend your time curating and building 
all of those things I think bring a lot of confidence and when you spend time like really thinking about and prioritizing and building yourself I think that's where confidence really comes from when you look for confidence from external sources when you look for confidence for from things that are superficial like for example the way that you look or the clothes that you wear that is so easily something that can be taken away in an instant and I don't consider that real confidence I think your confidence has to come from within it has to come from a deep place within from within and that can be hard and it's not going to happen overnight it can take years so that's why I kind of say that like even though it's something that I've definitely learned it's something that I'm still working on someone asked how to deal with toxic family members it can be hard because certain families have that whole thing of like blood is thicker than water or things like family first and I think family is important I'm definitely a very family oriented person but I also don't necessarily think that family excuses everything you have the right to come up with your own opinion about someone and someone's actions in your family and if that does not align with who you are or who you want around you as a person there's a way to respectfully disengage and you can have respect for someone in the way that you interact with them and still disagree with them that's something that I've learned in my life is like how to just have a base level of respect for someone even when I don't don't necessarily agree with them you get to choose with who you interact with so putting as much distance as possible with certain toxic family members is my only advice in this situation I know it's it's definitely difficult someone said I'm struggling to keep up with reading I get it I definitely do get it a lot of people ask me how I read so much and genuinely it's because I love it I love reading as much as I love breathing oh my god that's too poetic I'm sorry so cheesy but to be honest that is the case I don't pressure myself to read when I'm not feeling like it because when I do that it's that's when reading becomes a chore and when it's something that I fall out of love with if you want advice of how to incorporate reading when you are busy I would say listen to audiobooks because you can consume stories a lot faster and just a lot more in your life if you are a very busy person by listening to audiobooks. Also, the thing that I always tell people about reading is like it's a muscle and the more you read, the faster you get at reading, the better you get at reading. So at first it's going to be difficult if you're just getting back into reading for the first time in years because you need to get used to like reading 100 pages in a sitting. That's hard. That takes years of practice to kind of get up to that point. But you have to remember that it doesn't matter how many pages you're reading. It doesn't matter the quantity that you were reading. It matters what you're taking away from it. Whether that be entertainment or a lesson learned or just a feeling of community. It's not about how many books you read in a year. It's about what you gain from the books that you read. Someone else asked advice on how to speak up for myself. I think this is really important. It's one of the most important life skills. You need to be able to speak up for yourself in any space. It's a form of self-care and self-love. I think the only way to get better at it is to practice it. 
and that's difficult. It'll feel uncomfortable the first couple times that you do it, but it's necessary. Someone else asked, dealing with and taking in everything that's happening in the world, like wars, racism, climate change, etc. It can be really tough, and that's something that we were talking about in a Women's Center meeting recently, is like, because recently there was a shooting at a elementary school. This happened the week after the stuff with Roe v. Wade happened, It can be so exhausting growing up in this generation, seeing a shooting every week and seeing what's happening with politics and social justice, all of the problems that are going on in this world, feeling like you can't do anything or feeling almost like no matter what you do, nothing happens. For me, this shooting recently was a little bit hard to process just because I remember Back in 2018, when the Parkland shooting happened, a lot of my friends and I felt this sense of activism and felt this sense of we need to do something now. And so we started a club and we organized a walkout and we really focused on like educating as many people as we could in our schools about how much of a problem this really was. And I remember in that moment, this was like before I knew anything about the system politics in this country I remember feeling like maybe this is the moment where things will change maybe this is the moment where we stop where this stops but four years later now we're sitting here in 2022 it feels like nothing has changed it feels like we're dealing with the same problems every single day and it's exhausting it's so exhausting turning on our tvs logging onto social media apps and seeing so much tragedy happening in our society in the world it's exhausting and you have to you have to take a break from it because it will drain you you're not a machine you're a human being that's what you have to remember you have to take breaks so that you're strong enough to fight the fight someone else asked for advice for growing on instagram I like this question, actually. I would say this year, my favorite social media app has kind of been Instagram. I've been really trying to connect with you guys and grow my Instagram page in a way that's authentic, like really just focusing on building community. I've been trying to do Instagram Q&As every couple weeks just to kind of connect with you guys and allow the people that follow me on Instagram to really get to know me. I think right now in terms of the type of content, if you want to grow on Instagram, you need to be posting reels. With any social media app, because they want to promote the use of any new function or update, whenever they come out with something new, whatever that new feature is, you want to be posting on there because that's how the algorithm push out your content so right now that is posting instagram reels and i was really good at posting instagram reels i feel like a couple months ago but i haven't posted like any reels in a couple months because i've been i don't know i've just been busy that's that's it in a nutshell i've been posting on tiktok but i i need to like translate that over to instagram reels again but instagram reels is definitely the way to grow even some of the reels that i've posted i definitely noticed that they tend to get a lot more views than my actual posts would get but I think posting on reels and posting on stories are the two ways to really get the most engagement. I think nowadays you don't necessarily have to be posting on your feed. 
as frequently as you used to in order to grow. I really think it is like the reels is the primary way to get discovered by new people. And then Instagram stories is how you build community and you stay engaged with your followers, which is a lot more important than you think. If you're trying to build like a platform and try to become a content creator, I think a lot of people focus very heavily on the numbers and and think the numbers is the most important thing. But no, I think when brands are really looking with content creators to work with, they want to look for content creators that are more engaged with their community, that are more in touch with their community. People where if they send you a product and they sponsor you and you sell a brand, people are actually going to want to like buy the product or check out the actual product. I think in the long term, it's just better to build a community and focus on that rather than just the numbers. Someone asked how to speak in front of people. I think the way that I kind of learned public speaking was honestly through making videos, which not everyone can do. But I think learning how to speak in front of people, you have to just think of it as like a conversation. Think of any speech or anything that you have as a conversation. When you're writing a script or when you're writing a speech or an outline for something that you're going to perform in front of a group of people, think about how you can connect to people people's hearts and minds, how you can be as conversational and as accessible as possible. Because I think that for the longest time ever, like you think like throwing in a bunch of smart words here and there is the way to make a speech good, but that's not necessarily the case. If you're giving me a speech and I'm straining my ears to try and understand what is the point that you're making, that is not a good speech at the end of the day. When you're writing a speech, you need to make it more accessible and you need to make it understandable to the wide public. How to live in the moment and stop worrying about my future. I feel this one a lot because I'm definitely someone who does this, who lives for the future and doesn't remember to take advantage of the current present. And then I'll do this thing where I'm like, I'm a huge nostalgic person and I love, I love to romanticize the past. So then I'll start romanticizing the past. So then I find myself like living my life for the future in the past, but not really in the present. It's, it's just a weird situation. You have to constantly remind yourself of that every single day. I like to make bucket lists. I made like a Santa Cruz bucket list for this year that my friend and I tried to do where we essentially just made a list of things that we wanted to do, places we wanted to go to, coffee shops. Maybe I'll share it on the Disclaimers Aside Instagram stories if you guys want to see it, and I still have it. But we kind of just like worked our way through this bucket list, and we had the most random things like try Wingstop for the first time, or attend a play, or study at this cute cafe check out this college that we've never been to but actually making this list and being like okay I want to do at least one or two of these things a week really helped us to actually try and maximize the college experience and to really live in the moment it's a mindset that you have to remind yourself of every day when you find yourself or when you catch yourself feeling that pressure or beating yourself up because you feel like you're not doing enough and you feel like you're not working fast enough towards whatever future you envision, let go of that and take whatever moment you're in to just allow yourself to relax and enjoy it. Two people asked about advice for pursuing a master's degree. I genuinely do not know anything about pursuing a master's degree because I'm still pursuing my bachelor's degree. However, I did do a podcast episode 
called Pursuing Political Change with Fatima Ba. If you guys want to hear about what her experience was like doing her master's degree program, definitely go back and give that podcast episode a listen. She talked about it in there and there was a part of that episode where she even talked about the differences between a bachelor's degree and a master's program. So so that was definitely a interesting podcast. This one is a tough one. It's going to be one that I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate the way that I want, but someone asked how to navigate Muslim morals in a college setting. I find this one very, very interesting. I don't find that this is something that I super, super struggle with just because I feel like I'm used to navigating being a Muslim within like the Western society. I think it's different for people when they go to high schools where there are a lot of lot where there are a lot of Muslim students or they have a lot of Muslim friends growing up and then all of a sudden they go to college and it's a very it's a culture shock almost. At this point I I'm already used to it. It is important who you surround yourself with. It is important that the people that the closest people that you surround yourself with understand baseline what your morals and your boundaries are. And making that known with those people is really, really important, especially in college. I don't think people care as much as you think. I don't think people care if you're not smoking or drinking at a party, at least in my experience. And if they do, those are not the people that you should have around you. It is important if you are a Muslim in a college setting to be connected to a Muslim community because when you're at a predominantly white institution, having those people that are going through the same experiences as you is really, really important and is a place of community and a place of reassurance. But I definitely recognize that it can be hard. It's not easy for everyone. But I think it really does come down to making your boundaries and your needs clear. It's a lot of speaking up for yourself. It's a lot of staying resilient in who you are and I think that is a quality that is very important it makes you a stronger person and that's why I tell people all the time like I feel like when you grow up Muslim in a non-Muslim country your faith does grow in a lot of ways because you're tested in a lot of ways that when you grow up in a Muslim country you're not a lot of the things that you automatically may get in a Muslim country you take for granted But it's something that really starts with you and it really is down to you to make your boundaries clear in whatever space that you enter. And you have to remember that it's not always going to be the status quo and that's okay. You don't always have to fit the status quo. Someone just said relationship and I'm assuming they mean relationship advice. And as someone who has never been in a relationship, this is very unprofessional advice. But I would say my only advice is when you enter, this is for people, this is for young people too, especially because I've seen this happening a lot and it's like where people will get into a relationship and they will ditch their friends or they will all of a sudden close themselves off from the people around them, from opportunities, and they almost like live their life for their relationship. And I think that is a mistake that people make way too often And it's not okay. Like, you can balance being in a relationship and also maintaining those friendships, relationships with other people that have already been in your life. Do you really want to, like, look back on your life at the end of your life and see that 
you cut off the people who brought meaning to your life for one person. I wouldn't, at least. And if this is someone who's asking this because they feel frustrated that they have never been in a relationship before, it's okay to be on your own. You have to work on yourself, you have to develop yourself, and you have to learn how to love yourself before you, someone else can come into the picture and love you at the end of the day. That's something I learned from reading All About Love by Bell Hooks. Maybe read All About Love by Bell Hooks. That's my relationship advice for you. Someone else said, college is definitely something I need advice on. How you chose what college you went to and how you got ready for the transition. The way that I chose UC Santa Cruz was pretty unconventional. I had to make my choice during a really, really weird year. And I've talked about it in past podcast episodes. I've also talked about it on YouTube. But I think when it comes down to choosing the college that's best for you, I think it's important to really do a lot of reflection and make a list of what you want and need out of your college experience and make sure that you tour all of the schools that you're even remotely considering going to and do not commit to a school before you have ever seen it because that's what I did and I definitely regret that in a lot of ways. In terms of the actual college transition, I think change is something that you should be seeking for and that is important for growth. So when you can go to a college where you can experience a little bit of a culture shift and an environment that's very different from what you're used to, I think that is a really good thing. And I think just mentally preparing yourself for that and being open to that is what will help you get through anything. Someone else asked, starting senior year of high school. Okay, my advice to seniors seniors in high school is the year will go by really fast. So really enjoy every moment and every memory and drink it up, soak it up. It feels like you want to leave high school super, super badly, but when you graduate, when the year is over, you will have to be a full-blown adult and you will not get a lot of the privileges back that you had, so enjoy it while you have it. Someone asked about the obstacles that came along with the college process college application process. Okay, looking back on my college application process from senior year of high school, it was a pretty smooth process. The only thing that I would have done differently was done more research about the schools that I was applying to and really didn't apply to schools that I would have never seen myself going to slash didn't want to go to in the end because I just did a lot of applying because things seemed like that I should have should apply to certain schools you shouldn't be doing that you shouldn't be applying to a school just because you hear people everyone else is applying to them summer hijabi fashion okay summer hijabi fashion is one of the hardest things to master and i'm still trying to grasp how to dress in the summer as a hijabi when it's a million degrees put me in winter fall that is when i thrive fashion wise but summer hijabi fashion is so hard I would say go on TikTok and go on Pinterest. Pinterest and TikTok, mainly Pinterest, is like where I get a lot of my summer fashion. The Pinterest hijabis, they are really carrying the world on their back with the ideas that they have. Literally, when I go online shopping, I have my Pinterest open on another tab so I can actually see the things that I like in front of me and actually actualize and materialize it. It sounds like such a frivolous step but it is actually pretty crucial and important if you actually want to build the wardrobe that you want 
and experiment with buying clothes from different places i think like if you want to build a unique or wardrobe you need to get out of the box of just shopping at h&m and forever 21 and zara you need to expand your horizons and shop at online boutiques and support small businesses if you can afford to while you're at it someone asked about self-love and confidence i think self-love and confidence at the end of the day going back to what i said earlier really does start with the work that you do on yourself and the time that you spend dedicated to you another person asked how to put together outfits as a new hijabi Ooh, being a new hijabi is a lot of experimentation go into it knowing that a couple years down the line you're going to look at your photos as a hijabi and you're going to feel mortified and that's okay that means you've grown and that you've changed and that's important. I think when you're first starting out as a hijabi, it is important to look at, at other hijabis as inspiration, but also take it slow because this is such a huge life change. You have to kind of start out with wearing what makes you feel comfortable. You don't have to be like the perfect hijabi straight out of the womb. No one does that. Everyone has their horrible phases. Everyone has their phases where they wear the, oh my god, the hijabs that are like sewn together. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but the little kid hijabis. Everyone has their their period of time. Everyone goes through their ugly duckling phase to emerge as a beautiful swan. Not to be cheesy again with the metaphors. It has been eight years of me being a hijabi. And I'm only now starting to figure out what I like and what I don't like. So take your time with it. Seek out inspiration, but from hijabis that look like you is very important. Because I remember when I was younger and I watched like tutorials on YouTube of like how to tie your hijab. A lot of the times I was looking at hijabis, hijabi creators that were not, that didn't look like me, that didn't have the same hair texture like me, that didn't have the same face frame as me, that weren't the same size as me. And I was watching these lookbooks and thinking that I could put together these outfits for a body type that was not mine. So it's really important to be looking out for inspiration from people that look like you so that you can actually do things that suit you and wear things that suit you. Okay, this is the last last one that I'm going to give you guys advice on and that is communicating boundaries with a friend. Communication is one of the most important skills that you can learn and the earlier that you learn it in your life, the better. But I get it, it can be hard. To communicate boundaries with someone especially if this is someone that you have met recently it's necessary honestly just having a conversation with someone and framing that conversation and approaching that conversation in a way that is loving and that is honest is important in a lot of ways when i look back at like certain things like certain confrontations or stuff that's went down it's not necessarily what you're saying, it's the way that you deliver it and the way that you communicate it. It's the tone that you use. It's the body language and the self-expressions that you use. And just framing that around like, hey, I love you and I and I value our friendship and this is why I need to tell you this and this and this. And this is why I need these boundaries. That's all you can do. And the right people will accept it. The right people will be happy that you were able to communicate that and felt comfortable enough to tell them your boundaries. That was my advice episode. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much to everyone who felt vulnerable and comfortable enough to submit something that they needed advice on. I will be making this a series 
on disclaimers aside so i will be doing future episodes like this again make sure to go follow the podcast instagram at disclaimers aside the link is in the show notes if you want to participate in one of these again in the future or if you just want to be a part of the community i would highly appreciate If you would take a minute to rate and review this episode, it really does help me out. Besides that, I will see you guys in my next episode. Bye, everyone.